Wow, it's called practice for heaven, huh? As we were singing it, I just thought, Lord, what a, you know, just long to be in his presence together with all, all believers. And that's going to happen someday. And what a great day that's going to be. We're going to start our new year with a brand new series that I'm pretty excited about. And uh, by the way, I think if you haven't pulled your Bibles out, just grab one out of the chair ahead of you because you've got to have your Bibles in the series, okay? So I want to make sure you have Bibles with you. But uh, we're going to be in a series that I'm really excited about called The Path. And uh, over the next six weeks, you're going to have an opportunity with me to learn, master, and practice what Andy Stanley has called the principle of the path. And by the way, that principle has been around ever since we have been around, okay? And you're going to find that this is going to transform your lives in so many different areas. So you don't want to miss a week of this. And this morning, we're just going to start to explore the principle of the path. But before we do that, I wanted to give a gift away today. We thought we'd have a little fun this series. We'll do this every weekend. And it's this uh, New Living Translation Bible, one of my favorite versions. But it's in this beautiful leather cover. It's got uh, our logo imprinted on it. It's really cool. And then it's got the Compass Church. And uh, we want to give this away. And in Psalm 119, verse 35, it says, Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. And ultimately, when we desire happiness in our lives, it's going to be found in God and God's Word. In this series, we're going to learn how to find the right paths that will bring us to the place we ultimately desire, which is God's best for us. So um, we're going to give it away, and we chose a seat number. And on the front of your seats are numbers, and the one we chose is H38. So if you're sitting in H38, it's about eight rows back, so you already know that, uh, then I want to give this gift to you. If you want one of these covers, you can buy them in the Resource Center, but uh, this is for somebody in H38. And I th- is that in this section here? So it's actually eight rows back, this section. Come on down, all right? And uh, let me give you this gift. Somebody, all right? Let's give give a hand. Here you go. Hope you you enjoy the word. This young man, all right? There you go, buddy. God bless you. All right? (laughs) You're welcome. Now, if we're going to talk about paths, we need to define what a path is. So let's define a path. Here's how it's defined from the dictionary. Paths, say it with me, paths lead where they lead regardless of who's on them or what their intention might be. In other words, when you get on a path, okay, it's going to take you where that path goes because, you know, paths lead where they lead regardless of of who's on them. Now, actually, that's the principle of the path. Back up and give me the definition of a path. Let's try it one more time from the top. Definition of a path. Ready? A path is a route or course along which someone or something moves. It provides access to a destination from a source. Now, that's where I wanted to start, okay? That's the definition of a path. I get on my path, all right, and it takes me wherever the path goes. The principle of the path, then, is this. So we get it again. Ready? Let's say it. The principle of path is paths lead where they lead, regardless of who's on them or what their intention might be. Now, please understand, it doesn't matter where you want it to go. 
The reality is a path is already going someplace, and if you stay on it, that is where it's going to take you. Let's use an example of a huge path, I-90, I-Interstate 90, longest freeway in the continental United States, goes from the east coast to the west coast, 3,099.7 miles. How many of you have ever been on I-90? All right, it is a long stretch of road. You take it all the way to the west to its final destination, it's going to lead you to Seattle, Washington at 4th Avenue South in Seattle. If you take it all the way east, it's going to take you to Boston and it'll end at Route 1A. Now, it doesn't matter if you want to go to Miami. Wherever you get on I-90, and let's say you head east, you're going to go to Boston, not to Miami. Even if you take your suntan lotion with you, your sunglasses, your beach ball, your beach blanket... And as you're driving, you claim, I'm going to Miami. If you stay on I-90, you're going to end up Route 1A, Boston. Even if you pray as you're going, God, cause I-90 to take me to Miami, Florida, you're going to end up in Boston. If you get kind of Pentecostal on me and get out inside the road and lay your hands on the freeway and pray it into Miami and claim this freeway is going to Miami, I believe it with all my heart. And get back in the car and put the pedal to the metal and say, I'm going to Miami. It's going to be hot and sunny. I'm going to Miami. When you get to the end of I-90, you're not going to be in Miami. Where are you going to be? Boston, if you're heading west, or east. Seattle, if you're heading west. That's how paths work. Why? Because paths lead where they lead, no matter what your intention might be. Therefore, listen carefully, it is direction that determines our destination and not intentions. It is direction that determines our destination and not our intentions. And the problem is a lot of us are on bad paths taking us to bad places, but we have good intentions. The problem is we've just chosen the wrong direction. And oftentimes God's word speaks to us and teaches us things in life by using negative examples so we don't have to repeat them. And we're going to look at one together this morning. So take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, into what is one of the most uh, sensual, seductive, and dangerous stories in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 7. That got a few of you to open it up. All right? Proverbs chapter 7, and we're going to start at verse 1. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, says, My son... Keep my words and store up my commands within you. So here's Solomon. He's the wisest guy who's ever lived. And he's talking to his son. Now in a few minutes he's going to be talking to all of us. But he's talking to his son. And he wants his son to learn from his experience. The wisdom he's about to give him. He does not want his son to go to the school of consequences. That school is very painful, right? So he says, avoid the school of consequences. Listen to what I want to say to you. He says, keep my commands, second time now, keep my commands and you will live. Now, what's the opposite of that? If you don't keep God's commands, what's he saying is going to happen? You won't live, you'll what? So he's trying to save his son from something, okay? So he says, keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teaching as the apple of your eye. In other words, like in your pupil, he's saying, I want you to make sure you fill your pupil up with my wisdom, In other words, be looking at my wisdom. Look at everything through my wisdom I'm giving you. He says, bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 
Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and to insight, you are my relative. In other words, he's saying, just be as close to what I'm about to tell you as you can be. Make it a part of your life. Live this out. I'm trying to save you from something. The question is, what is he trying to save him from? Here comes the answer, verse 5. He says, they will keep you from the adulterous woman. Everybody go, "Uh uh-oh. Try it again. They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman, with her seductive words. Big uh uh-oh, right? He said, I'm trying to keep you from some major trouble here, son. I don't want you to go down a path that... We all know Solomon went down and paid a huge price for. That we know his father David went down, remember Bathsheba, and paid a huge price for. He's saying, son, listen to wisdom. Listen to experience. Don't go there. Don't let yourself get ensnared with this woman, especially an adulterous woman who doesn't care about her marriage vows. And, you know, is loose and seductive. Don't let it happen to you. By the way, let me, let me just say this uh, this morning. Oftentimes we think about male-female relationships. We think of men as predators and women as prey. But when a woman gets aggressive, I want to tell you something. No man is a match. All right? The predator becomes the prey. You'll see what I mean. All right? Let's move on to the passage, verse 6. He says, At the window of my house I looked down through the lattice. Now let's kind of look through the blinds. And I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. Now, here's what Solomon means. He's not being nasty when he says that. He says, I look through my window and I see a group of young men. They're post-puberty, all right? So late teens, early 20s. And they don't have life experience yet. So in that sense, they're simple. They're lacking judgment. And they ought to be listening to those who know better and gathering wisdom. And he says, as I look amongst them, I notice one young man in particular. Remember what he said there? He says, a youth who had no sense, literally meaning he was feather-brained, okay? All right, light of mind, lacking judgment, ignoring wisdom and insight, okay? Here's a feather-brained youth, he says. He said, well, how does Solomon know that? I mean, how does he know as he's looking through the window that this guy has really no sense and no wisdom? Well, actions speak louder than words, right? And he's about to tell us what the deal is. Come back to the passage again. He says in verse 8, He was going down the street near her corner. Who's he talking about? Who's the her here? Well, we already know because if we go back up to verse 5, remember he said, I want to talk to you about the adulterous loose woman. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. And the Hebrew word that's used for going down is sa'ad, and it means to, it means to march down. It means to make a choice to go a specific direction. So it's not like he's just wandering around aimlessly and just happens to show up here. He has made a choice. He knows who lives down there. And so he chooses to walk toward her house. Now, what is it about her? Verse 10. Then out came a woman to meet him. Evidently, Solomon was not the only one looking through his window. So was this woman. Then a woman came... Then. Uh, out came a woman to meet him, 
dressed like a prostitute. She's not a prostitute, but she's dressed like one. In other words, it's very obvious that she is very loose and that she's very available and very seductive. You see it in the way she's dressed. And she has crafty intent, which is is kind of a play on words. Outwardly, it's very obvious she's like a prostitute. But inwardly, she has this plan. She has this secret little plan. And I want you to think about this in in terms of hunting. And I want you to imagine... Uh, an animal that's kind of on the edge, right? And there's a predator waiting for its most vulnerable place. You know, sometimes we talk about people who like to live on the edge. How many of you know somebody likes to live on the edge? They flirt with danger. They put themselves in places where bad things could happen. And sometimes we live on the edge. That's what this young man is doing. He's living on the edge, and here is this golden eagle that is ready to take advantage of his vulnerability. Back to the text, verse 13. It says, or Elena says, she's unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. Verse 13. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I fulfill my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. Whoa. Here comes this woman, right? And uh, she grabs hold of him. It reminds me of the story in Genesis chapter 39 in Potiphar's house. Remember, Joseph was a slave there. And Mrs. Potiphar, that cougar, she had her eyes on Joseph. She wanted him. And she kept saying, go to bed with me. Have sex with me. Go to bed with me. Have sex with me. He kept saying, no, no, no. I'm not going to dishonor your husband or dishonor God. And one day she grabbed him and said, go to bed with me now. And what did Joseph do? He ran, right? But he left his cloak in her hand. She got angry. He ended up spending quite a bit of time in jail. Read Genesis 39. You say, Pastor, if I knew there were these kinds of stories in the Bible, I'd like, be reading it all the time. All right? There are amazing stories in the Bible. You probably didn't know the Proverbs had this story in it, this, this, this incident that took place. So she grabs him, and she just lays one on him, gives him this kiss with a brazen face, which means with confidence. She's in control. Right? He's just kind of, oh, oh, right? And she's in control right here. She's like taking charge. Her plan is being unveiled. She's coming in for the kill. She goes, I'm religious. I went to church today and I emptied my bucket of sin and now I can fill it up again. You know, some people like that, that's how they treat God. I'll get rid of all my sin so I can fill it back up again and come back to God and dump it and fill it up again. That's not what it means to walk with God, right? And then she says, and I'm also rich. I've got plenty of food at home on the table. So I'm not selling myself to the highest bidder. She goes, I, I, I've got plenty of food here. And then she says, I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. And what she's saying is, you know, I've been looking just for you, and I want you. I want to give you, of all the men, I want to give you a good time. I'll tell you what, at that point, he's a goner. Now, let's take this principle for just a minute and apply it in a more positive way. How many of you are married? How many wives here today, all right? Listen carefully. Wives, listen. If you want to buckle your husband's knees, turn that man into a puddle of water, 
Next time he comes home, you be ready for him. And when he walks in, you look at him and you grab him. You say, I want you. And then pull out the laundry list of things he needs to get done around the house, right? No, I'm serious, all right? If you have kids, get rid of the kids. And when he walks home, you know, have something nice and say, I've been waiting for you. I want you. I'm telling you what, he will become a puddle of water on the ground. He'll melt. That is, I mean, everybody wants to be wanted, but for a man, for a woman to want him to say, you are the one I want, whoa, potent, powerful stuff. And this young guy is dumb enough to believe it. I mean, we already learned that she lurks around the town everywhere and wants, you know, wants somebody all the time, but he, as far as he's concerned, he is the one she wants. Nobody else. It's him and him alone. In his mind, this event is detached from any other event in his life. He's not connecting the dots. This is going to be a one-night occasion. He is going to go brag to his buddies. Verse 16. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. In other words, you can stay in at breakfast. Verse 21. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth, that means like oil, talk. And, and the Hebrew there is not strong enough. It's not that she just kind of led him away. It's like she takes him away with her now listen carefully solomon sees this all happening and he tells his son it's not what you think he is not going to land in her beautiful soft bed he's going to land in a trap that will kill him so verse 22 he says all at once he followed her listen to his graphic language Like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. If you're a hunter, you understand that. The deer gets caught, then the hunter draws his bow back till an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. He's living on the edge, and the golden eagle is ready to take him off and destroy his life. Life. I want to share with you a video from nature that shows a golden eagle that is hunting mountain goats who are walking on the edge of this mountain. It's literally a path on the edge. It's kind of graphic, but it will help you remember how dangerous it is to live on the edge with sin. Watch this.
say, Pastor, you got to start rating these services. You know, R for the content and V for violence, all right? But I want to tell you something. You may not like that, but that is happening all the time. And, and you young people especially, pay attention to me for a minute. That's a picture of you when you live out on the edge and toy and mess with Satan, whether it's sex or drugs or whatever it is, man. The enemy's just waiting for you to get out there, get vulnerable enough, and grab you and take you off. But it's not just true for them. It's true for each one of us. The Bible warns us repeatedly, don't mess with sin. Don't take the wrong path. You will pay the price. You know, there's some people who would look at this story and they would say, I don't see what's so bad about this. Her choice, his choice, looks like you had a good time. Kind of envy him a little bit. You know, I bet you there's been some people who have envied Tiger Woods. His good looks, his money, his power, his athleticism. I wonder if they're still envying him today. You don't have to go to Dr. Phil to find out where Tiger Woods went wrong, by the way. I can tell you where Tiger Woods went wrong. Where did he go wrong? He chose a path that was only heading one place, a place of destruction. Look what Solomon says in verse 24 at the end. He says, now then, my sons and daughters, all of us, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many of the victims she has brought down, her slain are a mighty throng, David, Solomon. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Where did this young man go wrong? Verse 25, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Where did he go wrong? He chose a what? A wrong path. And the principal path is paths lead where they lead, no matter what your intention is. No matter if you're just flirting, no matter if you're just having a little bit of fun, no matter if you're just trying to play the edge, the path takes you to where it takes you. And the consequences that come with it. And that's the challenge we have in our culture today, is we, we don't think about consequences. And I really believe we have good intentions But we make wrong paths. We choose wrong paths. Let me give you an example of of some scenarios like that. A single woman says, I want to meet and one day marry a great Christian guy who really has got his act together. That's a good intention. But then she dates whoever asks her out as long as he's cute. That's the wrong path. A single guy says, I want a great sex life once I'm married. That's a great intention. But he practices with every girl he dates along the way. That's the bad path that he chooses. A married woman says, I want to have a great relationship with my husband. Great intention. But she makes the children a priority over him. Wrong path. A husband says, I want my kids to respect me as they grow up. Great intention. Then he openly flirts with other women in the neighborhood. Wrong path. A young Christian says, I want to develop a deep and lasting intimacy with God. Great intention. So he gets up every morning early and reads the newspaper. Bad path. A man says, I want to grow old and invest the latter years of my life in my grandchildren. Great intention. But then he neglects his health. Terrible path. A couple says, we'd like our children to develop a personal relationship with God and choose friends who have done the same. Great intention. But then they skip church every weekend and go somewhere else. Bad path. Newlyweds determined to be financially secure by the time they reach their parents' age. Great intention. Then adopt a lifestyle sustained by debt and leveraged assets. Wrong path. 
A high school freshman intends to graduate with a GPA that will afford her options as she selects a college. Great intention, but then she neglects her studies. Wrong path. See, we live in a culture today that really is in a delusion. We think we can walk on any path we want and that we are owed the destination we desire. And just because you think someone owes you something doesn't mean it's going to happen. I can't tell you the number of Christians I have walked, uh, run into over the years who want me to fix them with God's word or wonder why God isn't blessing their life. And it's because they're on a pathway that leads to negative consequences. And what they're saying is, I want to stay on this pathway. I want to go in this direction. I just don't like the consequences that I'm experiencing. So can you fix it so I can stay on this and not pay these consequences? Can't help you. The principal paths won't let me. Paths take you where they lead. What do you have to do? You got to turn around and get on the right path to take you to the destination you truly and sincerely and honestly want. In fact, if you look at our situation right now economically, if you want a big example of this, the reason we're in the economic mess we're in today is because years ago there were some leaders who decided to take us on a path that had no other place to go but where we are today. And along the way they were saying it's going to be okay, it's going to be good, and start giving money away to people who couldn't handle money and you know, people who didn't have the credit, and here we are today. The only thing that can change it is you've got to get off that path and head the right direction. Let me ask you a question this morning. What's your path like right now that you're on? In your marriage, in your friendships, school, in your morals, in your spiritual journey, in your health? I mean, are you on paths that are going to lead you to the right place? That's what this whole series is about. Understanding why we make bad choices and then understanding what the right choices are to make and what the warning signs are. And what the insights are. We're going to get that. And it's going to help us so much. But what kind of path are you on right now? You say, Pastor, I know that I'm not on a good path. I know my kids aren't on a good path. I know my marriage isn't on a good path. I know my friendship's not on a good path. I know my viewing habit is not on a good path. Is there hope for me? Can I change my direction? And the answer to the question is, Absolutely you can. Just ask Roy Rigels. You say, who is Roy Rigels? Well, Roy Rigels played football for UCLA. He played in the 1929 Rose Bowl game. Did you know they played football in 1929? (laughs) And they were playing, it was UCLA versus Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech fumbles the ball, and Roy Rigels picks it up and tucks it away and runs 65 yards toward the goal line. The only problem is he was running toward his own goal line. He got mixed up and confused. And one of his own teammates had to tackle him before he made it in the end zone. Became known as Wrong Way Rigels. Well, UCLA didn't have very good field position. They punted. The punt was blocked. And they went into the locker room at halftime, eight points down and behind. Coach Price gets up and, you know, tries to inspire them. At the end of his speech, he says, now the team that started this game is the team that's going to start the second half. And the players walked out. But Roy Rigel sat on the bench, dismayed, discouraged. Coach says, didn't you hear me, Roy? I said the team that started the game is the team that's going to start the second half. He said, Coach, I can't do it. I have ruined myself. 
I've shamed myself. I've shamed the team in front of the fans. I can't go out there. And Coach Price said to him, Roy, get up and go on back. The game is only half over. I am so thankful that you and I serve a God who when we screw up, who when we get on the wrong path and realize it, and wonder if we can get on the right path, wonder if our lives can somehow be renewed, can somehow be changed. I'm thankful for a God who says every day with him is a new day start. He is the God of new day starts. He is the God of forgiveness. He's the God of turnarounds. The Bible is full, chock full of stories. We're going to be looking at them in this series where God takes people on wrong paths, gets them on the right path, and blesses them. Yes, there are consequences to pay. Yes, it isn't always easy. But it's never, listen, it's never too late for you to change, no matter how young or how old you are. And this series, I think, has potential of truly transforming your lives, and not just your lives. Because when we get on wrong paths, it affects other people's lives as well. I think it's going to affect families, and maybe it's the, the match that God wants to use to start a spiritual awakening so don't miss a weekend amen all right let's all stand together we have some sugar out there for you in a few minutes and as i look at the crowd here this morning i want to remind you that we have our parking lot up at bennett ride the shuttle when it gets kind of hard out there because snow gets pushed around and uh and and join us for that experience as well hi what did i get no actually dale yeah if you wouldn't mind it's never happened before and it may not happen again i'm not gonna sing but the band has asked that we could play one more song. Okay. Well, Is that okay? Let's Can take we a play vote. one more song? How many, how many of you want to do one more song? Let's play one more song together All right. this morning. All right. right and uh, let, let me pray and let's do it. Please, that'd All be right. great. Thanks. Father, this morning, we want to leave triumphantly. We want to leave in worship. We want to worship you and praise you and glorify you. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word and its truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You ready to worship God one more time? All right. Then I'll see you at the guest center if you're a guest today.